arc on the arc of e network my name is noah and this is our coverage of here and now season one episode nine entitled it's here and do you know what else is here listeners uh this podcast uh is finally here uh i apologize profusely uh, as i have through all of this coverage for the lateness of said podcast oh just to catch you up uh i haven't posted on social media in a bit but uh, I was on a family trip to New York City uh, this past weekend. Uh, and just prior to that, I relocated to a new house, not an apartment, and uh, therefore a new studio, which I did not have much time to set up before uh, heading off on the family trip. It's been kind of a whirlwind week, but this is the first episode from the new Arc of E Studios. So, uh, we're still testing out audio levels, uh, forgive me if it's not up to the usual standards, but, uh, yeah, that's what's been going on. In the meantime, we have had new episode of Lost in the Folds over on the Music Arc. That's episode seven, hosted by Mr. Sunshine Mayfield and Max Gongaware, going strong, uh, holding it down for us while, uh, the Brothers Blanchard are away. And, uh, excuse me, the Blanchard Brothers, uh, I'm flipping it around because the Brothers Blanchard have a new series uh, airing on the Movie Arc feed, which is entering its third week. That's Camp Crystal Lake Revisited, where every Friday they will be revisiting a film from the Friday the 13th franchise, uh, all 12 of them, and a wrap-up episode, so 13 episodes in total. Hopefully you've uh, already checked it out. Hope you're enjoying it. I, I certainly am. So look forward to more episodes of that every Friday and Lost in the Folds every other Friday. And also look forward to Gavin and I getting back to it as we roll into our one-year anniversary when we will be premiering Rodriguez Revisited on May 1st, episode zero drops. That is the follow-up to our original podcast, the uh, podcast that birthed the network. That Again, is Carpenter Revisited. If you're not subscribed, go check it out. We went through all of director John Carpenter's filmography, uh, start to finish, and uh, it was it was quite the ride. That is uh, what basically spawned the network. I, I think I've talked about that before here, but again, every podcast is somebody's first podcast, right? And uh, hopefully uh, you have stuck around throughout the season to anybody who has written in, commented, liked to post anything related to the Here and Now coverage. This has been, again, a completely solo endeavor on my part couldn't find a co-host uh and i've just been going off the cuff every week so if if you've joined me thus far i really appreciate it and if you've let me know your thoughts or you want to continue to let me know your thoughts on this episode even though it aired a week ago and uh we might have missed a little bit of the zeitgeist of the conversation but alas uh here we are and we will finally now talk about here and now the finale episode 10 holy shit uh it's here and it's, it's not called Holy Shit, It's Here. It's just called It's Here. But 
that was pretty much my reaction to the episode as a whole. I'm going to try and keep things brief. Uh, we will do our normal episode run through, but I want to save a little bit of the more uh, overall feelings about the show as a whole until we get to the official season one wrap up, which is still coming. That'll be our episode 11, technically. And again, uh, the plan, hopefully, if he's still interested in coming on, is to have Mr. Mohammed El Masri, story editor of Here and Now, on for a season one wrap up slash uh, Q and A session. So, uh, if if you're listening still, Mohammed, I still want to do that. Uh, it's been a crazy whirlwind week here, as I as I said at the top, but I will be emailing you uh, as soon as this episode goes up to hopefully nail down a time so that we can uh, talk about the show. And uh, again, listeners, if you have any feedback or any questions for Mr. Mohammed El Masri, who will hopefully be on the next episode, uh, let me know thearchive at gmail.com, or you can shout at me on Instagram at the Arc of E Network, uh, on Twitter, which is handled by Mr. Sunshine Mayfield, but that's at the Arc of E, and uh, also on Facebook at the Arc of E, uh, and that's uh, handled by Mr. Gavin Blanchard, my brother, who will be joining me uh, very soon in the new studio uh, later this week. So look forward to new content across all the feeds very very soon. But for now, uh, again, let's let's get into it. The finale. We'll open with the short description provided by HBO as per usual. Ramon goes missing after a disturbing family incident. Audrey clashes with Steve. Ashley and Malcolm weigh the pros and cons of a corporate future. Fareed's guilt drives him to extremes. A cataclysmic event shakes the family to its core. Yeah. Uh, that, that about says everything, right? Uh, doesn't undersell it at all. Doesn't undersell this finale. Uh, where to begin? Uh, I definitely need a guidebook. Uh, it's been about a week since I watched the episode, so forgive me, people. I'm leaning very, very heavily on, uh, HBO's episode synopsis, which is fantastic. I'm not sure who writes these. They're amazing. Uh, shout out to whoever writes these. Okay. It's here. Written by uh, creator Mr. Alan Ball and directed by Mr. Jeremy Podeswa, who is a, a staple of uh, premium cable television and uh, has, I think, clocked two or three episodes so far this season. So, uh, yeah, hats off. Uh, overall, I'll say that from the top. There was things I loved and things I was mystified by, but overall, the show went out to me as it came in, and I, I really hope we get more. So hats off to everybody involved. I just want to say that from the top. Flashing to memories of his mother, Fareed tearfully acknowledges he could have killed Naveed. Uh, I I almost just want to go down the entire road of where Fareed Shakrani, my favorite character in this series, goes, uh, but uh, we will keep it somewhat chronological. So uh, we just... We'll, we'll put a pause on that very, very quickly. And let's go ahead and just move on to uh, Malcolm and Ashley, who is who we actually opened the episode with proper. And the conflict, the fight we basically saw in the uh, next time on, we saw most of it play out. Malcolm enraged that Ramon has dropped uh, Haley from the treehouse, which he believed to be on fire. They immediately come to blows, and uh, the family breaks it up. 
there's a, a lot of shouting about people being crazy, and uh, things disperse. Ramon, uh, a little bit later, in the car with Greg and Duke, is adamant that, you know, this means something, he was protecting her, uh, and we of course heard that she smelt it too, which comes up later in the episode, and I don't know if we're meant to take from that that maybe she's in tune with whatever this is, because I'll go ahead and say up front, we also, I felt like, got little to no closure on what it all means, and I both loved that, but also am a little scared by the fact that we don't even know if we're getting a season two, so if if it stands as just this singular season, I don't know that it will, in my mind, be as a, as whole a product as it could have been. Uh, the, again, that's that's more talk that we can save for season wrap-up. So, uh, shortly uh, during this car ride, Ramon uh, sees the, the Flaming Man on the street and decides to bail out of the car. Uh, Greg and Duke chase after, but they lose track of him. And this leads to the confrontation, well, one of many that I had been waiting for, between Duke and Greg, where Duke finally outs uh, what he knows, that he knows about Fumiko. And it went down a very interesting road to me when uh, Duke tied it into his childhood. And this, you know, did you do it because this was some cosmic way of like getting back at me and takes it very personally and to a level where Greg has to step back, uh, as I was, as the viewer, uh, saying, hey, uh, this, this is going, you're taking this a lot deeper than, than I thought you did. And I didn't necessarily see it going there, but it makes sense from Duke's perspective. And it is, of course, a way for the show to further that conversation about how you work in these racial dynamics when you have this multicultural family. So, uh, I love this conflict, though, because Duke is, you know, somewhat self-righteous in his uh, putting down of Greg, but Greg really owns the moment, and I feel like kind of came out on top in this argument to me because Greg owns his mistakes. He's not hiding any of it. He did hide this affair, uh, of course, and was hiding the fact that now it was public knowledge, uh, at least to Audrey. <laughs> But I, him calling Duke on his bullshit a little bit and how he, you know, claims to be perfect and Greg somehow has the knowledge that Duke has apparently developed a, re a reputation uh, for philandering. So confirmation, ultimate confirmation uh, that Duke does just, you know, on these tours, that's, that's what he, he does. He's not actually celibate. And that's kind of like a lie he's been telling himself for many repressed reasons that we get into a little bit later with him and Carmen. But the moment, uh, just before we move on, the moment when Duke says, fuck you, and Tim Robbins, brilliant line delivery, uh, I would never be able to do it justice, but says, fuck you back, you little shit. Uh, just, I, I loved it. Uh, one, of, one of his highlight moments for me uh, in this season and in this episode, but I, I thought Tim Robbins finished up strong, as did most of the cast. Uh, so as I mentioned, and this is kind of where we'll leave Duke, he, he does go to Carmen, and they uh, venture towards a, a possible sexual relationship, but more than anything, she comforts him, and he 
kind of is able to release some of that internal pain, every everything he's been carrying around, the weight of uh, his childhood trauma, uh, everything going on with Greg and all the complicated dynamics of that father-son relationship. Uh, all of it comes out, and I thought very beautifully acted. Again, I love Carmen as a character and just as a true empath and genuinely genuinely wants to help people, and that really came through in this scene. So I loved all of their work together. And uh, from there, I guess we'll move on to Naveed and Kristen and their uh, very, very awkward, uh, almost sexual encounter. And uh, of course it comes to light, as we, uh, as was brought into question by Audrey and Greg earlier in the episode, is Naveed actually your boyfriend? And it's a question I had last episode, because uh, I didn't see them really setting those boundaries, if you will, or ever saying that to each other. And I thought it was relevant. And sure enough, it comes up here. Uh, Naveed kind of realizes in the moment that this is not him, as he says to her. And of course, uh, you know, Kristen takes it as as hard as you would imagine she would and is incredibly frustrated Naveed's dealing with a lot of personal stuff at home which is going to further interfere with their relationship a little further in the episode which uh maybe now is a good time to transition over to uh the thing I at least want to talk about because it, it was really rough uh watching my favorite character really have what I ultimately viewed as a bit of a mental breakdown, uh, even though you could see that there was maybe a light at the end of the tunnel uh, with where we leave him, that he really did have to go through something to uh, finally be, become fully in touch with the spiritual realm that Layla's always wanted him to, but it unfortunately is at the cost of his family. Uh, we have the very intense flashback uh, earlier in the episode to the flagellation, what his mother actually did to him. And this was, it was very heightened, uh, to, but it worked for me in as much as I don't think we're seeing this as a direct flashback. We're seeing this as a child's memory uh, tainted by time and many other things and clouded by you know, all sorts of other issues. But the the heightened nature of it and the, the sped of editing and, and parts really, really played. And uh, seeing that he was ultimately rescued by Uncle Amir was good confirmation, and uh, but unfortunately leads to even more uh, feeling like he needs to repent. And he ultimately <laughs> goes down to the basement where we see that he has a cat of nine tails, and this was... This was a rough scene for me personally to watch. Uh, it it does not shy away, and it, it's pretty brutal and brilliantly acted by Mr. Peter McTeesey. Uh I I didn't want to see Shikarni go down this road, but I uh, it 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 was a road. Uh, that's that's pretty much all I have to say about it. We uh, see that Layla and Naveed are leaving uh, again. Direct conflict with he and Kristen's relationship, which. It, seemed like it was floundering a bit, but hopefully they were going to be able to preserve some form of friendship. Now now we don't know where that all stands. And Shikrani, left alone and bleeding from new wounds, uh, seeks comfort from Imam 
uh, Chuck, not mistaken, and they have a, a conversation that didn't uh, didn't fully provide the the kind of closure I wanted for the Shikrani narrative, but it it again it was a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. It it worked to give me a little bit of peace that maybe Shikrani's gonna be okay. Uh, and can hopefully patch things up. Again, uh, this is all uh, based on whether or not we get a season two, but we'll get into all that next week, people. Uh, for now, uh, we can put Shikrani to bed, and uh, I guess it's time to uh, to get back to Ramon, because that's really the crux of the episode. He's uh, returned to his apartment at this point, and he's working on the game, basically trying to find the burning man, uh, the fireman, whatever we want to call him. And uh, all of a sudden, crazy stuff starts happening with the code and a message to meet me on the mountain. And uh, Ramon, of course, asks, who or what are you? And uh, it replies, 1111. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put a pen in that, of course, until the ultimate finale. But I was... I was glad that I was like, okay, we're we're going full bore. I I was I was primed for it. I loved where this episode ended up. I, I know I've read a lot of people were kind of baffled by it. Uh, some people were completely turned off by it. I I was a fan. I should say that before we go any further. I liked the ending, people. I did like the ending, as mystifying as it was. But for now, let's wrap up uh, Audrey for this season. On Wake Up Portland with uh, Mr. Steve Benjamin, and it comes to light that new allegations have surfaced, and she will not stand for it. She basically has it out with him on air, and they continue their spat off off air. And it gets even more personal, of course, and I really liked this scene. Uh, I don't look at Steve as a complete bad guy monster in this scene. I see why Audrey views him that way. Certainly, I see all of the how all the numbers add up. And again, I I was not not a fan of this affair. That sounds weird to say, but I I didn't really judge her for this at all. But there there were some key moments. Uh, one of which was I loved that Steve threw right back at her in the midst of all this conversation about child labor. Where do you think the the clothing that you're wearing coming comes from? Pointing out that you know. Sometimes you you do miss the forest for the trees, if you will, and she's maybe a bit on a high horse. And I love that the ep, you know, throughout the episode we get point counterpoint. You know, Duke and Greg, we get both sides to that argument. And for me, that all really worked in this episode. A part of that, of course, I feel like is Mr. Alan Ball coming in to bring it all home, sort of, uh, but. I thought conceptually a lot of standout scenes that really, really held together for me. So we will move on to Ashley, who has, of course, gotten a huge offer, meets up with uh, Sharon, the woman who offered it to her, and uh, they get into a little conversation about double boxers. So uh, (laughs) in lieu of that conversation, Ashley, who has been battling uh, her racial identity, uh, the entire season can't really decide if she's had enough 
yet or not. If she really is going to work in this place where she feels like she is essentially a, uh, a minority hire. A, uh... So she calls Malcolm. I'll, I'll say his name. It is the final episode, and I let it slip last time. She calls Malcolm, and he's still encouraging her to take it. He, uh, he pitches uh, being a stay-at-home dad for Haley. She feels like it's very important. And uh, that's, that's still up in the air. Ashley's debating whether she's going to stay and, and sign the paperwork for the first day. And that's where we'll leave Ashley for right now. Let's jump back over to Greg. He has decided to write a new forward for Duke, uh, presumably as kind of a peace offering after their semi-blowout fight. But it's uh, interrupted when Ike calls. So glad, so glad we got Mr. Ted Levine back for the finale. And I loved everything about this. Uh, their scenes together, just off the charts fantastic from my perspective. I love the interplay. Obviously, they were old friends, and, uh, you know, they're still buddies. They get to talking, uh, the long and short of it. Uh, Ike dropped Ramon when he was a baby because he was on fire. And he's on fire again, uh, as we're told. Uh, apparently, Ted Levine got some some magic powers and uh yeah baby baby jesus is on fire keep that in mind for the ending people uh choice cuts from mr brian eno you heard it at the top of the episode great great closing music but uh yeah i says you know things are not okay do you, do you ever feel like the world is just that you know and greg is just buying into all of this he he's like yeah and he never really gets into having seen 1111 himself. I feel like that's still kind of some untapped stuff from this episode, other than the fact that he's open to it. And just his current state of mind in general, Greg, it seems very truly, you know, embracing his former philosophy in as much as he is existing in the here and now, moment to moment. I very much get that feel from this scene in this performance. All right, back to Ramon. He's been on a long journey. To the mountain. What mountain, you say? That would be Mount Hood in Portland. Okay. On said journey, a, uh, a homeless man confiscates his bike. He recognizes this guy from Kristen's video, of course. Kristen Navid's video. And he asks if he knows Henry Bergen, to which the man replies, I am Henry Bergen. Okay. couple different theories. I'm just going to go ahead and throw them out there because... We don't, we don't know. It's just speculation. And I don't know that we ever will know. You can either take this as uh, some weird supernatural 11-11 thing going on. You can take this as the rantings of a, a crazy old homeless man who may have some mental health issues. But maybe Ramon has mental health issues. Who are, who are we to judge? Or... You take this as I kind of felt in the moment. Uh, I was like, this this could be a threat of something, but I literally flashed to the movie Closer, uh, one of my probably top 20 favorite movies of all time, where in the end it is revealed that uh, Natalie Portman's character uh, stole her name, uh, Alice Ayers, off of a tombstone. And the person who we maybe thought was the most honest and truthful throughout the episode, or throughout the movie, rather, uh, maybe we didn't know them at all. And that's, that's kind of how I took it. Uh, who, who was Henry? 
obviously people met him, interacted with him that were not Ramon. I definitely don't think he's a figment. I just, I think we were left to kind of ponder who, who was Henry really? Was he just a drifter and pick somebody else's name? You know, what, what has happened to Henry? Who knows? But I, I don't know that we'll ever get an answer, but for now that's, that's how I chose to take it is just, I don't know. How much can you ever really truly know someone? A question that has come up throughout the season. How much can you really ever know yourself if you want to get super deep and philosophical with it? But I don't really want to get any more deep and philosophical. I just want to talk about the big boom of this episode. Uh, Mount Hood explodes. That's, uh, that's, that's the big finale of the season. That's what 11-11 maybe has been building towards. We don't know if it goes beyond this. Was was it all a setup to get Ramon to this point? Was being interrupted by Henry Bergen and having his bike stolen so that he didn't make it to the top of the mountain, but only in view of it at exactly 11-11 a.m. when it blows. We don't know. Uh, we see a little bit of the aftermath uh, covered on television. And we uh, move on to a final scene where uh, all of a sudden it's Game of Thrones, uh, which Jeremy Potiswa, I believe, has maybe directed an episode or two of. Uh, if I if I check my IMDb, I'm pretty sure I would find that's correct. But uh, we see the burning man, the flaming man, out in the ash-covered landscape as uh, Ramon walks towards the mountain. And uh, we see in shadow... As the, the Burning Man lights up, uh, we see the shadows of a lot of maybe ashen people similar to what we saw at the Gaming Expo. Uh, I'm dig again, it kind of looks like Game of Thrones, but I'm digging all the visuals of this, even though it kind of felt like it turned into a, a fantasy movie in the last uh, three minutes or so. But the, uh, the, the Flaming Man uh, turns and walks towards the mountain, and Ramon follows him what it, what does it all mean people i don't know and i've been pondering it since i saw the episode uh what kind of closure we're maybe meant to get but for anybody who stuck around for the uh the lovely little wrap-up on the end from mr allen ball he was pretty upfront about the fact that you weren't you weren't meant to get really any closure and that you should maybe become comfortable with the idea that you're not going to get these grand answers to the, the questions that they're throwing out there and the, the mysteries, if you will, that they're going to be kind of a driving force. And I like that ethos. Uh, Six Feet Under uh, has to pay a little bit of tribute, of course, to Twin Peaks, which a lot of modern television has to. But that's a show that was started with the intent that it would never be about actually revealing the answer to the mystery. It would just be the framework by which you explore a lot of interesting characters. And I know some people have kind of tuned out and don't don't care for these characters. I, I come from the school of I don't need to uh, identify or particularly like characters that I'm following as long as they're interesting and compelling. And hopefully long-term with any show or short-term with a really well-crafted movie, you hope that you can get to that point of empathy with people. And I, I feel like I've, I've kind of done that gradually with all the characters in this show. Uh, I've seen where they're coming from. Sometimes their motivations are a little muddled. And uh, that's that's something I want to get into a little bit more on the season wrap up of where we think characters kind of stand as we as we roll into a possible season two. 
But uh, for now, I think I just want to put it to bed by saying that I thoroughly enjoyed the finale. I appreciate you guys for being patient and, uh, you know, letting me finally get around to doing this one. I'm terribly sorry that the finale is the latest episode in the entire run, but I did it. Uh, we we finally made it through an entire season of television here on the TV arc. It was the first time we've ever done that. You know, uh, hats off to me, I guess. Uh, a big, big pat on the back to myself. Anyways, uh, if you have any thoughts on the finale or uh, any questions for Mr. Muhammad El-Mazri, who will hopefully be guesting again, archivy at gmail.com. That was our coverage of Here and Now, Season 1, Episode 10, The Finale. It's here. I have been Noah, and thank you very, very much for listening. Until next week, when we'll have our Season 1 wrap-up, people, remember, live in the here and now. Babies on fire.